We're here, boys. Welcome back. Episode two of The Record Shepherds. How we feeling? Feeling good today. Feeling good. Danny's got a mic. Hello, hello. For um, those of you who can't see, which is all of you, Danny is our uh, co-founder, co-producer, engineer extraordinaire. Um, the problem solver. The problem solver. The problem solver. So, um, you know, as we talk about these topics, he's going to sort of help us reel it in, provide uh, a different perspective, which I think is always good in these types of conversations. Yeah, and I think important to know is that uh, Danny is an accomplished producer and an artist in his own right and uh, comes with uh, that perspective. So that'll be interesting. I'll be back here, guys, whatever yeah. you need. How was your weekend? Very good. A lot of fun, you know, a lot of work and a lot of fun. A lot of going out. Work hard, play hard. Yeah, got to do it. Got to be out there with the community, you know? I feel like if you're not brunching in New York, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> we had a pretty good brunch. I remember, I remember reading uh, one time, I'm sure he said it tongue-in-cheek, but uh, Julian Casablancas was leaving New York because there were too many people having brunch. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hate on brunch. No, um, you can't. That's good. My my um, problem, and a lot of people will tell you this if they know me, I have a ketchup addiction. Like... I, I can't remember the last time I ate eggs without ketchup, but I just like, it's just like a weird thing that I do. I, don't I know. mean, well, what, where, if you're putting on the ketchup, are you having hot sauce? Um, I'll, bro, any salt of any kind, like hot sauce and ketchup combo mix. Oh, you mix it, right? Yeah, it's, pr <laughs> it's pretty disgusting, but like, I don't know, I can't help it. It's like, because I think it, cause it has a lot of sugar in it as well, so I'm probably addicted, but I just don't know it. You know? Yeah, yeah, I can't have eggs without hot sauce. I think I have a taco addiction, actually. <laughs> like for there's breakfast? A, no, like for, for like, in like, general, like, there's a lot of uh, times where it's like, there's nothing, what do we eat? It's like, let's go get tacos, and they're always amazing tacos all over New York City for some reason. Do you prefer eating indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. You too? Well, in general, if the weather is nice, you, if the weather is nice, of are, we, are we talking about tacos in particular or just generally? In general, like the we weather is nice, you will eat outdoors. I, well, yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean by the weather is nice because there's a fine, <laughs> there's line, a fine line, isn't there? There's a yeah. window in you, but when it gets like hot and sweaty, I just want to be, I just want to be comfortable when eating. Yeah. But like that sort of like European sat out on terrazzas, you know squares like eating outside oh, i think that's amazing man i don't like my food being left up to the elements like i really hate you know eating and birds and things <sighs> are just hopping around me i don't like it oh, yeah, yeah. i there's a funny story about that um i actually well i'll cut it real quick mm -hmm. i thought i was eating blueberry pancakes i hadn't yeah. ordered blueberry pancakes just ordered pancakes uh -huh. turns out i was sitting directly underneath a telegraph wire and these little birds were oh, pooping God. into my pancakes. No <laughs> way. That God. really happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Did you finish them? <laughs> Extra protein, bro. Where are these little blueberries coming from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, dear. That's yeah, pretty disgusting. That was nasty. Um, yeah, yeah. My week, my weekend was good. Just um, chill, brunch. Uh, typical. The older I get, the less I want to be outside. And I don't know. Every time I eat, I want to go to sleep. So... <laughs> and yeah, like again, I like air conditioned, you know, kitchen clattering, you know, w waiters and waitresses running around. I like that experience. I hate eating outside. It's like my least favorite thing. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Yeah, if you ever take me on the date. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm about to cancel some reservations right now. <laughs> um, so, um, oh, yeah, current music news. Let's get yeah, into that. Yeah, what's happening in the world of music? Um, um, Coachella. You got Coachella's happening right now? Yes, yeah, this weekend and, of course, next weekend. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I saw um, all the headlines from, from earlier this weekend. A lot, of, a lot of artists debuting new music at Coachella. Um, yes. I know Meg Thee Stallion debuted a song. Uh, Harry Styles debuted a couple songs um, performing with... Uh, was Shania, it, was Twain. Shania Twain. Shania Twain. Shania Twain. Yeah, uh, yeah they were good. they were both pretty made up about that. I think they were both uh, fairly smitten <laughs> with each other. It was a bit of a a, a loving going on because uh, they have both uh, you know big artists in their own right. From yeah, and uh, what do you think about Harry? I think he's a dude. 
man. I think, I mean, like he's, he's a dude he's, brought he's, to you by the record shepherds. <laughs> I mean, what can you say about Harry Styles that hasn't already been said? But I think, um, not a lot probably, but you know, he's, uh, he's a bit of an enigma, you know, he is like, I think we like the way he presents himself, um, you know, even, even the clothes he wears, he's constantly pushing boundaries. Like, um, do you remember the, remember that one he was wearing? Like, I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than he was wearing your grand's pearls with your like a, a, a little blouse and everything. And like, but, but, you know, only he and a few other people can actually pull that off and make it look cool. He's a handsome devil. Let's be yeah, honest. I think, um, they're, there's like reincarnations of a Harry Styles every generation, you know? It's like um the androgynous sort of artist artistic um you know, it's like it's like a prince or like a David Bowie, you know. Yeah, it's, but it's it's not it's not it's not gimmicky, you know. I think I genuinely think like that's who he oh, is. Authentic, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, part yeah, of yeah, the yeah. expression, you yeah, know. Like, part, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see when you see an artist that that really goes into very unique styles is they're just digging into their own creativity their own creativity and their own yeah. personality and with without fears and that's what kind of like inspires Absolutely. other people yeah. you know like yeah. they just go for it he's uh you know that that artistry is not you know um compartmentalized to just his music it it, it manifests Definitely. itself in every part of his Definitely. uh of his life i feel so yeah he's, it, he's, yeah it's almost like he's been he has like the the on stage charisma of like a Bruno Mars, right? Um, but he has this sort of expression that appeals to women and, you know, appeals to, you know, guys too. Dashing and, good looks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I th- he's a great artist at the end of the day. Seems like a nice guy. Um mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah. And then so that was that. And then um I read something interesting. Uh so a Billy Eilish, I think headline Saturday night. Um or Yeah, that, or that might be weekends. right. Yeah, I think that might be right. And she said that she didn't think that she deserved to headline it, which I thought was interesting. I wow. don't know if, you know, she's 20 years old. She's a young artist. Yeah, um, I wonder why she, wonder why, what prompted her to say that. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, she's very current, very of the moment. It's not like she just, you know, she's she's two albums in the bag at this stage, um, both very successful. And, you know, it's not like, yeah, just you know, she's like a one-hit wonder or something like that with one album just yeah. out. You know, it's like I think she's yeah. earned it at I, this stage. Yeah, and I think whether you like an artist's music or not, or you believe they deserve these accolades, you know, artistically, at the end of the day, it's whether they can sell tickets or not. And I mean, I like Billy Billy Eilish's music, but she um, can definitely pack up Marina. One hundred percent. It's about relevant. It's yeah. about relevancy, and I think. Maybe what she's referring to, I think maybe it, one it has to do with her being young, but it's also like she probably admires a lot of other artists. Um, you know, like for me, I love Erica Badu, right? But mm-hmm. is Erica Badu going to be, you know, headlining Coachella? Probably not right now, you know. And but Billy is able to because she's relevant. So I think she probably, you know, looks at a bunch of musicians that she admires and pays homage to, and she thinks, you know, oh maybe these people should be deserving to headline Coachella, not me right now. But I think that's yeah. just jitters, you know, it's like... That's like that's very interesting. That gets, gets into a lot of, like, artist psychology. Yeah. And, you know, I think everyone, anyone, at you know, any aspect, especially near the start of their career, will suffer from imposter syndrome. Right. You know, as like... like especially I don't, at 20 years old. Like, 20 years old, yeah, that yeah. is, that's, you yeah. know, that's so young. You haven't... You honestly haven't had much life experience right. still at the years of 20 years old. And it's like when you see these uh, incredibly talented people having success so early on, you know, like they, they have to grow up a lot more quickly than Definitely. a lot of other people, you Definitely. know, especially if they're in the public eye. And but the reality is, you know, you've only been on the planet for 20 years. Right. You know, it's it's not a long time, certainly not a long time. You know, and and the vast majority of that time, you you were a child. Yeah, like she, her ability to comprehend things and like have conversations yeah. with people yeah, like an adult has not has been like a year probably. You know, yeah, yeah a couple of years. I mean, say, you know, they say like women mature faster. So I know for me, like that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't. I still don't know if I can. She has definitely seen a lot. I'm sure. I, I, I mean, no, if look, you are really Eilish and you're headlining of Coachella course, yeah, and yeah. you are at the level that she is. She's probably lived a lot. But yeah, time just changes people, you know. So maybe she feels like this is a a happening too fast to her. But she also should be um, somehow she, grateful that she got the opportunity instead of being dismissive to to her. Well, I would. I wouldn't. I just think it's. To her know, merits. It, it, she, look, she. The, the point I'm trying to make is uh, she's there on her merits. Exactly. You know, she deserves it. Don't she deserves you know? It, and exactly. uh, but I think it is natural um, to. And I think it happens to everyone, not just in music, but any sort of high performing athlete or whatever. You know, or, or even just and in, in other forms of life that you get this imposter syndrome. But um, yeah, no. Well, well done. Billy for for headline. Yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, yeah, own your yeah, own your moment. Like, exactly. Yeah, maybe people think you you get some sort of brownie points for like being humble and acknowledging like other people before yourself. But at the end of the day, you're there for a reason, so you might as well use that platform and you know. Yeah, yeah, no, like being being humble. Of course, I I think it's a a good quality, but uh, I think it's only human to sort of. to sometimes feel that like you don't deserve it, but the point is, uh, she she does. Yeah. Also, it's an opportunity, but it's also a huge responsibility, you know. Because when you're definitely. at that definitely oh, at yeah. that point and at that level, it's like it doesn't matter if you're humble or not. You get better deliver. Yeah. You yeah. better yeah. give a yeah. show that yeah, exactly. is worth it. Yeah. And I would say, okay, so one of the bigger news events of Coachella is Kanye West pulling out at the last moment. Yes. Um, and I think I read that he had an $8 million payday and plus 500000 for for production fees. So, um, I mean, look, look, Kanye has been in the news pretty consistently for the past three months, right? So you we can all take a guess as to why he pulled out, but I think it's more interesting in this context to talk about, like, the implications and the impact it had on the festival itself. Um, I think the festival ended up not selling as many tickets and, you know, they had to scramble to sort of find last minute replacements, which was the weekend and, uh, Swedish house mafia. Swedish house mafia. And I think the weekend wanted to get paid just as much as Kanye requested for his fees. So I thought that was interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, at least Kanye gave them some notice, right? Right. You know, but, um, (laughs) but Hey, if you're Swedish house mafia's uh, live agent, you know, you, oh, yeah. you're, you're yeah, in right. If you're, if you're the in weekend. And or the weekend, sorry. Yeah. The, if you're the weekend's uh, agent and, you know, they're looking to replace, well, you know, it's just, that's just a a free market negotiation. Yeah. So and, how, much uh, are, how much you got for the job? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you think at that point papers were signed with Kanye West in the festival? Most likely. So would they, do you think they'd be able to sue him based off of like what was in the contract? Um, like if they're actively yeah, losing money because yeah, well, they've spent promotional dollars saying Kanye West is headlining this festival and then he pulls out. It will depend on the actual what's been agreed in the contract as to put, you know, what's the, there will be a point in time where, you, you know, as long as they give them notice by X date that there's no repercussions, I should imagine. Um, however, sometimes it doesn't matter what, is in the contract it's like are you really going to go and sue one of your artists who's in the position that Kanye's in and what he's going through at the minute etc and yeah. you know and then sour relationships with him yeah and that's for, a, I mean that's a conversation about leverage because well, you don't get him this year but that doesn't mean you don't want him of course you know of course so like and you know they've got I think it like they'll take a commercial decision they're insured against this type of thing for sure and um so no i don't think they'll but they also gave him anyone. a lot of money they're oh ready. yeah yeah they'll be they'll be they'll be they able already to claw, gave him a lot of money back, so yeah. he's gonna be like yeah that money's gotta come back somehow like a deposit yeah. he probably they probably had a yeah. deposit for him or some something like that yeah but um but anyway look at um yeah uh it's great that festivals are coming back and mm-hmm. um you know, it's uh, that's been a source of revenues for artists uh, yeah. that has not been available, and I think that segues <laughs> nicely. Great, great segue, <laughs> great segue <laughs> into so, what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, for our first few episodes, we're, we're sort of trying to lay out a roadmap for independent artists when it comes to how to distribute your music all the way to how to make money off of it and market it and leverage your career to then get more opportunities. So, um, you know, this week we're talking specifically about making money off of your music in the form of royalties. So you can, I mean, you can make money several different ways. You can go on tour, right? You can sell merch. So as an as a artist, you have a lot of different options. But today we're talking specifically royalties. Yes. Um. So I'm I'm an artist. I've listened to the record Shepherd, so I already know how to put my music up on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all that good stuff. So I keep hearing this thing called royalties. You know, a lot of major artists when having disputes with their labels, use this term. A lot of people who advocate for, you know, independency use this term. So what, what, what is a royalty? What are royalties? Yeah, I think like in its simplest form, a royalty is just a payment that is due in exchange for the use of your music. Um, it's actually quite interesting where it came from. Uh, royalty, you know, if you think about it, what's a royal it's got what's it got to do with right. the royals right? right right and um i think from what i understand the origins of it were actually to do with um the exploitation of minerals and the mining of minerals and you know a mining company or you know someone that wants to come and try to whatever it is like uh, mine copper or gold or diamonds whatever it might be whatever minerals in the ground they're after they would have to get permission from the landowner and often in addition to whatever deal was struck there there would be a payment due to the crown okay and mm-hmm. lots of different kingdoms etc ta- like a tax like a tax almost yeah like to like because you're taking it out of the earth and you know supposedly this is all owned by king and country you right. know that type of thing right. so so there was a, a a payment due and that payment was known as a royalty right so it that the same concept became applied uh, or was applied to other types of industries and um in particular publishing and anything to do with the exploitation of intellectual property rights right which um, music is uh, there's obviously intellectual property rights involved with music copyright in particular got you so that's what every when your music is um used played exploited whatever you want to term it there will be a payment due to the uh let's say the in the first instance the owner of that music right and that so that leads us to the next thing what are the different types of royalties yeah the main categories yeah well for your music it can essentially be split into two main buckets, right? You've got royalties due from the use of the sound recording, right? The actual record. And then you have royalties due from the use of the song, right? And just to get, like, some people get confused a little bit when you talk about that. But if we, if the three of us uh, pick up the guitars and um we write a song right now we we have a song that is a that's a composition right. we haven't recorded it at this stage so there is no recording of the song but it's still a song and and traditionally know, uh, the composition you know is typically lyrics and melody yeah lyrics and melody the actual music you know like how it's composed and you can write that down in the form of uh sheet music structure yes and uh um you know when those artists at coachella get up on the stage and they perform to that crowd the song is being used and exploited let's say um however the record is not there's no recording being played right assuming they are playing live and not lip syncing yeah so um so that's that's the main difference. There's two buckets of royalties. There and, and the reason for that, I think it's important to to talk about, is because often um, and certainly historically, artists were not the writers of their own music. Yeah. What was uh, what was the st- uh, the statistic we were talking about for like an average pop song? You have about seven writers. Nowadays, yeah, you've nowadays. got like on the average pop sign. It might, it might even be more than that. It's sort of like the, the trend is it, sort of it's increasing. It's a lot of times a lot more yeah. than that. Yeah. But, you know, average. 
So I think if they 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 looked and uh, of the average, you know, top ten songs at any one time or whatever, you know, it's like more than seven. It could even be up to nine yeah. different uh, songwriters involved in that. And that's also when you look at like, um, you know, you've got the actual songwriters, etc. Someone's doing like the beat. Then there's like the top line, it, you know, it all forms because you're in writing sessions together right. and it's like hard to actually place who came up with what, etc. Also in today's pop industry, I would say there's a lot of, I mean, politics involved. So everybody involved is playing a specific role. Maybe somebody's there because they're the friend of the producer that also is participating in some sort of way because he was the one that help hooked up the session hooked up hooked the up. session oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. like that and yeah i mean uh funny enough you say that uh kanye west is notorious for giving splits to people who like you know give every gives everybody a cup of coffee at his sessions he may give them like one percent or two percent because in his mind it justifies you know you contributed to to this record because like you helped the session in some way that's and that's up to you know that's up to I guess whoever the majority owner of the of the publishing or the sound recording is, that's up to them. But mm -hmm. I, I just think it's interesting, like the threshold for, you know, who gets a split on the record is interesting. Well, the split is basically on the song, on, on the, the song. song, on the song, on the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah on yeah. the song. But the, what what's happening is that I I I'm one of the persons that I I'm happy to give a percentage to everybody that participates in an equal way, regardless right. of how much you put on the song. Per se, because sometimes like, you know, you're the producer, sometimes you do a lot and then the other person comes up with just the one line on the hook that is like, it's hard to define those percentages, right? But as long as you contribute to the music, you should participate on that. But if you're not contributing to the music, it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that mm -hmm. for, you know, I think it's important for our listeners is that if you ever are in a writing session like that and you know you do come out with a uh you know song that is part finished or or, or finished even better then uh, as quickly as possible it's a good idea to actually agree how the what the splits are going to be on that song you know who contributed what are you going to split it or equal even, ways or even before the session i suggest that a lot of times to mm -hmm. the artists you know like have that conversation because the moment you are going into a room to make a song with somebody, you're creating a potential money-making machine. That song could be could change your life. But if you don't agree what you're gonna do with that once it's created, then somebody just might just walk away with it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But coming yeah. coming back to the to you know the the original point is there are royalties paid based off the exploitation of the song. And royalties paid based off of the exploitation of the sound recording. Yes. And the analogy you were using is the three of us could write a song for a pop artist. And when they record that song, that does not necessarily mean that we own the rights to that recording. But we can still participate in the exploitation of the song because we wrote it. But we can't necessarily participate in royalties from the actual sound recording exactly and yeah. and if that you know that artist uh records that song you know it's uh we're, we're rooting for that uh recording to be you know to go on and do great things and be played all over the world because we have an interest in it we wrote the song right so let's talk about the the um the different types of royalties within the major category so out of the publishing or the song, what are what are different types of royalties that I can, that I can be paid from? Yeah, so from the song, there's a few, you know a few main different ways. There's there's probably three main different ways you get paid on the on the song. Um, there are performance royalties. So when your song is performed, be it over the radio um, or you're performing it live at a show. Um, there are royalties due from that, and there are actually things called PROs, performance right, performing rights organizations. Correct. Uh, in the U.S., it's ASCAP, BMI, uh, CSAC are the main ones. Mm -hmm. Overseas, you've got like PRS, GAMA, STEM, and they are tasked with 
licensing a lot of the people who want to use um, your money in that sort of um, in that sort of way, and then collecting that money uh, and paying it out. So performance monies. Um, there's then mechanical royalties. Mm-hmm. Mechanical royalties are essentially when uh, someone wants to record your song and then print, let's say, print CDs is a good example. Okay, so if you want to make 1,000 copies of a, of a record, print 1,000 CDs, you're copying that song 1,000 times and there's a royalty due to that because you want to use the song, you don't own the song necessarily. Um, so that is called a mechanical royalty because it's like a, it's a mechanized reproduction of the song. And is streaming considered a mechanized reproduction of the song? It actually depends on the type of streaming you're doing and in the country, but I think it, it is considered um, a mechanical for the most part. Yeah, it, for it all differs. intents and purposes, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we were talking earlier, you can have performance rights and mechanical rights off of a stream. It just yes. depends on the type of stream, um, on demand. Yeah, um, interactive versus in- non-interactive, essentially. So we'll, just we'll for our it. listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this could get a little... Mm-hmm complicated is it's simply just when your song is being played online that's already yeah uh, that's already a use that's that's kind of like selling the song yeah in a way yeah exactly that's that's right like streaming uh, every obviously, time it streams is like okay boop, boop, chin, chin. exactly there's a use of the song in that uh that's probably the easiest way to and think about it and you, and you get you'll you'll be due royalties from that as a songwriter and then the third one is the third one is uh, synchronization, which, you know, or sync as it gets called. And that's essentially whenever you license the song to somebody who wants to synchronize your song to either still images or video footage. Like think of it like somebody wants to use your song um, as the sort of the, the soundtrack to a, a movie scene, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, you know, it adds a lot of value. Can you think of some of the most memorable you know uh movie scenes without the music yeah it'd be terrible no, so yeah. you know like so it's that that's sync and it can be you know that movies and tv but also like uh advert advertising commercials like that, yes. yeah commercials right. like here in new york city that's a big one uh, a lot of the sync industry for like film and tv is more on the west coast in the states here in new york it's a lot of it is uh, advertisements commercials yeah and i would say as an independent artist looking to get paid i think sync is definitely one of your biggest tools um you know just being in a group myself um i we got a few capital one commercials which is really cool but it's um try to look for companies that are uh sync licensing companies that are I, there are actually a few of them that are independent of like the major label institutions where they'll offer you non-exclusive agreements and their sole purpose is to pitch their library to music supervisors and people who program the music in commercials and movies and TV shows, et cetera. So there's a number of them. You can do your research, but you know, they are basically tasked with exploiting the music in, in this specific medium of sync. Um, so that's a, that's a really good way to get paid as well. Uh, I think we talked last week, um, on one of the independent distributors, uh, Mm -hmm. song trader started as a sync licensing business. So are these sync licenses also being applied to online content? They can be. Um, so I know like, you know, independent film, for example, that's one thing that sync licensing can fall under. Um, but I guess it would just depend on like the type of online content you're talking about when it comes to like streaming services, that's not considered uh, sync licensing, but yeah, any, like you were saying, any, um, use of music to imagery or video, I guess would be considered sync licensing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so those are, those are the three, there are other ones, but those are, those are the, the three main ones, uh, that most of our, in the song category in the songwriting yeah um so uh then on the uh pardon me the the actual record side okay when you take that song into the studios and you make a recording right now you're wanting to go and exploit uh or sell that recording and hopefully make money from it okay And, and right now as we're talking about assuming that you own that recording 
and that you're not in a deal or an agreement where somebody else owns that recording, whether it be a production company or a label. So like you as an independent artist recorded this music and you own it with your band or as a sole like individual. Yes, exactly. So, you know, let, let's, let's relate it to the, re- the realities of the world we're living in right now. How are you making your money from the recording? Hopefully, if you listen to our episode one, you're going to get yourself a, a distribution partner in place. And now your music is on the likes of Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, etc. And for all of that, uh, the use of your music, your distribution partner should be collecting those revenues and accounting to you, as we found out sometime uh, last week, there's a lot of companies who will uh, account to you for 100% of those revenues. Right. And that's how you make your money, you know, from the, the, the master. The more people are actually streaming your music um, and using it, then obviously the more money you will make. Um, so, you know, that's one way. There's another way um, which we can touch on, but it's 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 if you sign a record deal, yeah. you know, like a tr- traditional yeah, record deal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do we one thing before we get into that? There is also music uh, money to be made on the sound recording, also from synchronization. Right. 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 So, like, if you think about it, if they if the film the TV uh, company wants to use, you know, the most famous recording. That's the one that everyone's heard, that everyone's familiar with. Right. So the the song is being used, sure, but so is the sound recording. So yeah. there, there's the the sync fee tr- typically gets split two ways. Um, you know, there's the um, the the songwriter gets a proportion, and usually it's on an equal basis. The owner of the sound recording, and if you're an independent artist, that means you get um, get a fee for for Will the use of the sound recording. Will you also get? Will you also get um, <clears throat> performance royalties from from whatever performance happens of that synced piece, or that's a step, or that's already included on the sync license? Uh, no, you you'll get performance royalties for you know whenever that's like broadcast, etc. Yes. Yeah. So the song or the publishing in is always being exploited because you can't exploit the recording without exploiting the song. So it covers a wider category of what you can get paid off of on the publishing end. Whereas on the sound recording end, there, there's only specific things, you know, that you can get paid off of, um, which are, you know, like the actual, the actual use of the sound recording. Yeah. The actual use of like, as we said, like a sale, um, of a CD, yeah. obviously, um, the, the, the streaming and then the, everything else is essentially called secondary use um examples like synchronization uh if you wanted to license your track let's say to somebody who's making a compilation right you know like the that's that's typically it but that's more in the world of you know record labels do those sorts of things for a lot of independent right. artists it's more you know just collecting the money from uh the digital service platforms spotify apple youtube etc and then uh, if you if you've got a sync agent on board, then there's 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 synchronization monies to be made on that side as well. So as a as an independent artist, going back to the sound recording specifically, my music is being streamed on Spotify. What 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 are my what does my payout look like? Like what are what are what are the numbers that we're talking about when it comes to to streaming? Yeah, I mean. I think everyone knows that they're crazy, crazy, crazy low. Right. Right. It's like not point not 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 four or whatever right. you know, like dollars that you get yeah. for for every stream. The streaming rates are like super low, and that's why there's this big debate about you know how you know Spotify wants their one of their missions is to be able to have a million artists, you know. Uh, earning a living like being able to sustain themselves from right. from streaming from, alone. from yeah from streaming yeah they're nowhere near that you know and and it's great to have ambitions and like hopefully they do get to that stage but uh streaming um you, you do not earn very much money and it's so it's so complicated there's so many different 
payment plans that Spotify offer, you know, depending on whether you're, you know, which country you're in for a start, um, which, uh, are you on like a family plan? Are you on like a student plan? Mm, I think there's something right. like over 30 different plans that, that Spotify offer. So uh, based off of the specific plan, they dictate <coughs> the... Pardon the sh- me. No, you're good. So based off of the specific plan, that can alter the streaming rate for, for your song. Yeah, basically where your song is being streamed makes a difference. You know, if you have a million streams... Yeah, a million streams in the U.S. In the is not US the same, not like the same streams in, in Colombia. Yeah, exactly, from. exactly. And it's for, you know, lots of different reasons, but also like the subscription uh, plan down there, you know, and how much people have to pay, the advertising revenue, etc. So it's uh, it's a complicated enough... It would, we, we'd take a talk, we'd take a pod to actually to actually break that. that down. Yeah, so... But so one more thing on time. that. So who actually dictates the like the streaming rates is it is it the the stores themselves is it the the dsps yes and their negotiations with the um stakeholders who are essentially for the most part the major labels major labels right so maybe we can transition to i guess what royalty payouts look like on a record deal yeah yeah okay so like this is you know, you're going back um, to the sort of the origins of how this whole, you know, the record industry started up. But it was expensive to record music. You know, like there was no garage band uh, back in back in those days, right? right. So you had to have a studio and um, a lot of the expensive equipment, etc. And record labels started up. They'd have these studios and they'd take people in. Uh, artists to record songs often not written by those artists uh, they would be written by professional songwriters and the deal was we're going to make this recording essentially the record label we've facilitated this we've paid for all this equipment we are going to own the sound recording but we will pay you the artist a royalty and that's essentially a percentage which we will negotiate with you of every record that gets sold. Right. A sound recording royalty. Yes. And also, um, it, the artist is getting uh, extra money in advance a lot of times when they get this this uh, record deals, right? Because the royalties that they're going to get is how they get yeah, and well, you, you're talking about advances that like some like artists have to live, right? And uh, so often, and it's still the case in you know traditional record deals. And you know when I say traditional, I'm dating back to those days, but that's how the majors still do it. They will say we will give you an advance of your. We'll give you the royalties from the sales that have not yet happened. We'll give you that up front. Okay, so we you know you might get a. Let's say a fifty thousand dollar advance on your royalties, and it is it is a little bit of a gamble because yeah. you know that that record is still not sold. A lot of the time, people in most of the time, people have not even heard it yet. It hasn't even been made that record, so that's part of the risk that uh, record labels take. They, they they invest that capital. There's no obligation to yeah. pay that money back. And I think why this this business model can be confusing to a lot of people is. I feel like a lot of people think of it in like a profit share or profit split situation like any other business. And those exist in the record industry too. But if me and you start a business, we both put in a thousand dollars, right? And we split the business 50, 50, then, you know, it's agreed upon that we are not going to see profits off of that business until we have recouped that $2,000 that we have both put in. And then we start to see the actual revenue share from, from that business. How it works, though, is the label is putting up all this money. They're giving you the advance. They're paying for the recording. They're paying, you know, the marketing expenses and other recoupable costs. And typically, those costs are recoupable from your split. So you're not actually seeing revenues from your record, your album, until you've recouped the initial cost that the label has put in. But for accounting's sake, the label is still collecting 
their portion of the royalties while your account is technically still in debt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's there are a lot of uh, costs which ultimately the artist has to pay for. Now you never you never need to like take out your checkbook and actually right. write them a check, but you're going to pay them from your royalties. So your royalties that would otherwise be coming through to you go towards covering those costs. And what's what's the traditional royalty split there? Um, it really depends and it, it's improved over the years, but, you know, let's say somewhere between 16% and 20%, moving up towards 25% if you're like a really, like an, an artist in a commanding position. Right. So for, for simplicity's sake, so let's say it's an 80-20 royalty split. The label is getting 80%, the artist is getting 20%. The label is collecting their eighty percent royalty. They're collecting. They're collecting one hundred percent. They're collecting one hundred. They're collecting one hundred percent. They're taking. If we're doing this, but your twenty percent allocation is going towards re- recouping, recouping the costs that they have agreed with you in yeah. your record deal will so be. So basically, the label is like a bank that is lending you money, that also sells you services, so your record becomes big. Because they're not really paying for those services to make it big. They have the system, right? They have the marketing and the platform and the employees and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. But the, the artist is the one paying for that service. They, the artist, yeah, the artist is um, utilizing essentially a good way of thinking about these record levels is that they are, you know, skilled marketing companies of music, right? And they have the infrastructure, of course, and all these things. And there's a lot of overhead that comes with that. Uh, there's also a lot of costs that the record label does fund themselves. So manufacturing costs um, under a traditional deal. We talked about the mechanical royalties earlier. Right. That record label wants to pr- print 1,000 CDs or 10,000 CDs, whatever it might be. The record label has to pay the owner of the rights to the song, let's say it's us, the three songwriters, mm-hmm. they got to pay the mechanical royalty to the three of us. And that cost is, um, that's on the record label traditionally. Um, it's a cost that's assumed by the label. Because, <laughs> by the label. They, yeah. they don't charge you, they don't charge the Your artist royalty, for that. Yeah, yeah, they don't. You don't have to recoup those costs. So there are certain costs that are, t- typically it's the recording costs. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, a portion of sort of uh, outside independent marketing and promotional costs, you know, so like you don't, they don't charge you for the use of the, the, uh, the label's own sort of in-house right. team, but anything outside that you're, you're, you'll be recouping a portion of that from your, as you said, 20% royalty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it, it gets a little complicated, but uh, just think about it like a business, right? Like if I'm investing all of this money in you, I have to find a way to to recoup my money, to get my money back. And it's going to come out of your split versus like my split as the label. But, and you, you know, you think about it like if you were funding your music independently, if you independently have put $10,000 into your own music and let's say you own 100% of your sound recordings, you are technically in the whole to yourself $10,000. So you're, you know, and you might not think about it that way, but that's, it's like a business, right? Like you are paying off the $10,000 debt that you've put into yourself until you actually see a profit. Yes. But let me point out one important difference with those under that circumstance, when you're self-funding it at the end of the day, you own the product, you own your sound recording under these traditional deals. You do not own your sound recording. You know, most of the time, most of the time, certainly not at the start, the label owns the sound recording. The risky part of funding your own project as an artist is that you really don't know how to spend that money the most efficient way. You could have all the, I mean, I've seen it. I've worked with artists that are independent that for some reason have the money to invest on their projects, but the the projects they just don't go where they expect them to go because they didn't know how to utilize that money the best way possible. And the label, sometimes they already have a system that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it it really, yeah, it depends. Like if you 
are an independent artist and you have your team together, you have your own staff of marketers, your management is on point and you're paying all of these people as well, right? It's not like they're doing these services for free. Exactly. Um, then yeah, you might not need to utilize a label, but if you're going to go the label route, then you're, you're giving up ownership of your sound recordings. Typically. Yes. And even if you do recoup, and you actually start to see your 20% royalties from the exploitation of the sound recording, you still don't own that music. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I think, look, at, there are, now is sort of a good time to say that, you know, mm -hmm. the there are new players in the market and it's like uh, not, not with, um, you don't always have to give up ownership. There are sort right. of like progressive companies out there. And even, you know, some of the majors, whenever you, your stock is high enough, they will do licensing deals where you retain ownership of your master, but you give the label rights for a set period of time. Let's say it's 10 years, right? Gotcha. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, so that's a, that's that a good exists. point. But I guess to summarize, as a, as a an, if you're an independent artist, after you've, well, really at the same time or even before you, you've distributed your music, you need to register with these collection organizations, whether it be the PROs, the MROs, the NROs, that's that, a lot of acronyms. What, what does this stand for? So you have the, the performance <laughs> rights organizations, yeah. which are the, the ASCAP. ASCAP. Well, in the States, we're looking at ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, yes, right. and, and others um, overseas. There's other ones, PRS, GAMIS, DEM, right. SSM. And then um, and another, you know, we talked about the performance rights on the songwriting side. It's also mm -hmm. important to say that um, now we have sound exchange here right. in the United States, which um, if you're an independent artist and you, you know, um, you perform, you're, you're a performer even, and or you own your own masters, you should register with sound exchange. And essentially that's like the, um, they call it like the neighboring right, the reciprocal right of the performance um, royalty that's due. But when the actual sound recording is played in right. a performance uh, setting, so right now in the states, it's it's on um, you know non-interactive digital streaming services. So yeah. by non-interactive, it basically means that like it's almost like a radio service. You can't actually pick and choose um, you know the order. It's of not the like songs. Spotify that you pick whatever song you want to hear. Exactly, you Spotify is interactive and that. Yeah. Or, or like Pandora, you Pandora, put a station. Pandora, Sirius, iHeart. Um, and one one interesting thing on this, like sound, sound exchange are at the forefront of lobbying the government for this. But currently, unlike in many other countries uh, that have a royalty due on uh, public uh, broadcast, like radio broadcast, we're talking about terrestrial radio, mm. of the of the sound recording, right? In those other countries, like the UK is an example, that there is a royalty paid to the owner of the sound recording and the performers uh, when the song is played on terrestrial radio. Here in the United States, there's currently not. Um, and it's essentially due to the the size of the, the lobbying groups for commercial radio. Um, Got it. but maybe in the future there will be, but right now you get those sorts of royalties from sound exchange from, uh, non-interactive digital streaming services. Pandora is the best one to think of. Cool. So sound bottom line, there's mm -hmm. a lot of royalties out there. There's money. Yeah. Like, uh, if you can get a, a sync agent, um, get a, getting a sync agent, I think is, is pretty key. That's like one of the steps, like non-exclusive sync agreements are really going to help you um, registering with the, these collection organizations on the publishing end, as well as on the, on the, uh, the sound recording end. So yes. Yes. And, and your distribution partner, um, you know, will be taking care of the other royalties, you know, essentially the revenues that come from the Spotify's, the Apple's, the YouTube and accounting to you. Also, if you're a songwriter and because we talk about publishing, yeah, royalties right but yeah. then the publishing royalties are actually two kinds of publishing royalties that that within performing within the performing within the rights. performing rights yeah and and if you're a songwriter you basically own the song that you wrote but you also own the publisher share of that which yeah, is yeah, like yeah, a you're right which is like a like a like a different like a different royalty that comes from the same thing yeah that we're we 
we run the risk of complicating it too much because we can probably do a deep dive yeah. on publishing and publishing. what publishing deals look like, etc. Publisher share versus songwriter share. Yeah, you know, um, under statute, it's broken up into two halves. There's the actual, um, the, the songwriters themselves, the individuals and their share. And then typically these people were signed to publishing companies. Yeah. Uh, back in the day where to get your music out there you were had to basically have someone print all the sheets like an actual publisher and distribute it to you know homes etc where people could play your songs on piano mm-hmm. so that's the publisher's share and i think it's just it's if you're joining uh, a pro just go onto their websites ascap bmi were probably the two main ones that you want to look at in the states and um It'll talk you through it all. You, you have to register a publishing designee, like a company, um, and you can call it whatever you want, whatever, and that just ensures that you're uh, collecting the, the publisher share the as well. Publishers. Yeah, and, um, you know, we're always going to put these resources and the description um, on the YouTube page and other places where our podcast is distributed. Um, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up for now. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, we're going to be coming back, you know, with more episodes like this, hopefully bite-sized chunks. And um, yeah, if you find it useful, then please tune in to the next one. Yep. Follow well, us on our... Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that we also want to hear what our listeners have to say. You know, if you want to send us an email or a comment or yep. just contact us in whichever way we'll like to hear what you think about this podcast and mm. what you want to hear about, you know, maybe there's some topics yep. that our listeners want to hear. Yep. Email us at the recordshepherds.com. You can also listen to us. We're all podcasts shepherds at gmail.com. Recordshepherds <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, and uh, listen to us where podcasts are played. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you. And, um, you know, our little motto, I don't know. What, what is the motto? Don't be the sheep. Be, the, be the goat. Be the goat. Follow the shepherds. Follow the guidance of the shepherds. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We gotta goat. do that again. We gotta do it again. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get it together. By next episode, together. we'll we'll get this model. So don't be the sheep. Follow the guidance of the shepherds and be, be the, the goat. goat. <laughs> Thank you.